Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 92, and we are diverting ourselves <clears throat> from Stormlight. And this week, class, we will be reading excerpts from Arcanum Unbounded. And thank you for all attending Cosmere 101. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, we have a, a custom... Yes, yes, Paul. Can I go to the bathroom? No. You should have gone before class. <laughs> we are doing Cosmere 101 today. If this is not the class you signed up for, please exit now. Except for you, Paul, you're stuck here. What? All right, but in all in all good fun, we will be learning some more about the Cosmere. I am able to answer several questions now that we have can understand a little bit more of the wider Cosmere. But last night's reading—I know this is the first day of class, but we had the reading apparently from the from the previous night. We had the title pages. Well, let me back up, Elliot. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm excited to just learn and yeah, ask some questions and figure this out. Apparently, the cosmere is a lot bigger than I thought it was. So yeah, this will be fun. And Paul, I'm excited to ace this class because I will know everything by the end of it. Sounds good. Let me let me preface this episode with this is the by far the episode that I prepared for the most because there is, there is plenty of Cosmere knowledge in my head. However, I have no idea how it got there and in what context I've, I've gained it from like some live stream or some Q and a that I like that I watched or attended or whatever. And so there's some things that I'm allowed to tell you at this point. There's some things I'm deliberately not. So I had to sort through all of that of how, I, I know what I know and if you're allowed to know it at this point. So some of the, some questions I'm still I'm wearing my Rafo shirt uh deliberately for today because there there may be some Rafo questions that you guys will be asking. But without further ado, we will be going through the title pages for each system in Arcanum Unbounded. And then we will be talking about White Sand chapter one. It is a graphic novel, but there is a kind of a teaser for White Sand in Arcanum Unbounded, which we have read. What were you guys' quick thoughts on on White Sand before we really get started? It felt like I was... I, Elliot actually put this in our outline, but it felt like I was reading or watching Dune. Uh, to, to some extent, the sandy area, and then things like feel the vibrations of the sand and like pop out and stuff. So I had a lot of that energy. I thought it was a fun little mini exploration of a new magic system. It was it was kind of cool to you could almost see like Brandon Sanderson fitting all the pieces together and kind of explaining by showing you kind of how the different elements worked. I, I thought it was fun. Cool. So Trevor, I actually want to interrupt right quick uh -huh. because um, this isn't a, a not our average podcast episode, but. 
I do have a mug this week. Oh, I um, apologize. Yes, who's on our mug? Yes, uh, this week, dun, 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 we have uh, a, a longtime supporter of our channel, actually, um, and recent surgeon, uh, and that is Jancy, 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 however we're going to say it. Um, and you are on a cup, which actually our beloved host Trevor gave to me as a gift, uh, which reads, why limit happy to an hour? Which is a great question. So thank you so much, Janzy, for your support uh, of our channel. Um, you've been someone that's, that's you know, I always enjoy seeing all your comments on our, our videos and, and involvement and we're happy to have you as a supporter, um, and I hope you are happy for much more than just an hour. Thank you for supporting us, Janzy. Thank you. You were one of our very first viewers. I remember you commenting on some of our first episodes way back in the day. Can I continue with class? Yes. Sorry, teacher. Raise your hand next time. Uh, we have a spell check. When's the last time we had a spell check? We have a spell check for this oh, no. episode. I forgot to study. We we start with Elliot on these. Elliot, who is the author of the in-world excerpts that you learned from the preface? Brandon Sanderson is speaking directly to the reader, and he explains some of the rules of Arcanum Unbounded. We learned who the author is, the in-world author. Who is that? You always scare me when you pick ones that I think should be easy. This seems like one I might have a massive advantage over Paul here, but Paul, you always surprise me with your your skill on these. So uh, I'll say that this person's name is clearly Chris. Yes, her name is Chris. This one is for Paul because Paul might not get this. Go ahead, Paul. I won't lie. I took a slightly different approach. I prepared ahead of time and I wrote down two options and i'm gonna i'm gonna be completely transparent with you and with our audience and i was going to pick one based off of how elliot pronounced it i'm being transparent okay okay but that's you fair can't fault me for my preparedness because i was like it just says chris so like that's kind of basic but i i went with a different like sort of a i went with k-r-i-s very simple very short chris you're just missing two letters it is K-H-R-I-S-S. Okay. I never would have guessed because. the second S. Yeah, I never would have gotten the second S. So, okay. You got the K, though. All uh, right. Yeah, there we go. And for our second spell check, this is two, uh, two of two. Elliot, you had this written in the outline, and I censored it for Paul. And Chris has an offhand mention during our Sellish system excerpt of, oh, maybe the the blank, no, no more. How would you pronounce that word? Uh, another one that I'm scared of overthinking. I'm assuming that Chris is talking about the ire. The ire. Palsy, correct. He's not exactly correct. No, the way they say it is eerie. They say irie. The, oh, sorry. Yes, the, the irie. The irie. The irie. Hmm. Okay. And how would you like to spell this with, maybe with that context, Paul? I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go with a simplistic spelling of the Irie. Right? Am I saying it right? I yes. actually didn't guess myself a lot on this one. The Irie. The Irie. Um, and I'm going to go with I-R-E. Just simple, short. You are correct. And okay. Bought on. Elliot is not to be faulted that <clears throat> everyone would assume that would be pronounced ire but no yeah. it's it's i re like two two syllables right. incredible i i will say on that one i had to stop myself from overthinking it a lot because i kept wanting to use a y actually as the first letter and i don't know i was just going really crazy with that but i re all right now that that's out of the way, I'm going to go into my lesson plan outline that you guys don't have access to. <laughs> and anything that you have gained, any info that you've gained from these titles, like these title pages is what I'll call them, the system excerpts, anything that you can connect with as I'm talking, please feel free to interrupt because I don't want to just be talking for 20 minutes. So if you... If you remember something that I'm talking about and that gives me more context for what you've already read, please, please say so. Adonalsium. We'll start here. This is back towards the Dawn chant interpretation of the, the humans coming to Roshar and bringing Odium with them, okay? Adonalsium is killed. And splits into 16 equal shards. 16 equal shards. And they, it specifically says equal. The, the way you are receiving this information is via vague answers to Q&As from Brandon Sanderson. That is, and without you having to, to scroll the internet for them, because now Rhythm of War... Spoilers are within are mixed in with everything, so I have extracted what you are allowed to know. Sixteen shards of Adonalsium were split during the shattering. I will let you know of eight. Okay. We have Odium, Cultivation, Honor. Endowment is present on Nalthus, which is where Warbreaker takes place. Which is conspicuously missing from this book, by the way. And all this is not here. We have autonomy, which we have gained knowledge very recently of. Autonomy is on Taldane, which I'll come back to here in a second. Ambition, which we have gained knowledge of, is on Threnodite or was on Threnodite. And we have devotion and dominion. Okay. Devotion and Dominion were present on Cell, um, the Cellish system. They have since been destroyed, and that is where Elantris happens, which we will read further down the line. Any questions? Um, we, so I read all of these, like, previews or briefly read the previews, and it says that 
So, so there's the destruction of, excuse me, what was it? Dominion and the two D1s. Dominion and Devotion. Yes, Dominion and Devotion. They're destroyed, but do we know how? Yes, I will get to it later. Okay. And we we read what happened to... Ambition. There's one of them there. Yes, Ambition. Um, Similar to Honor, right? Okay. Yes, Elliot. So I was a little bit confused when I read the summary of the Selish system. Yep. Chris is the author, right? Yes. So Chris says that Cell has multiple shards, but that this is rare. Yes. I came, I came back to that because I was confused because she says that Cell is rare and that it has more than one shard. But we already know that Roshar has three shards and she mentions another system in here that also has two shards. Two, four, three, we're what at seven. You just said there's 16. That's almost half the shards already. Yes. Okay. Where's so it's not question? as rare as I... Th- the question is, that, that doesn't seem like rare in my book if we've already come across three planets that have multiple shards. But I guess I just, I'll redefine my definition of rare and be good to go. Sure. The the reason why she says that is during the shattering, the shards, which I'll talk about here more in a second, the shards all agree we need to stay away from each other. We're too powerful. We are going to go to our separate separate ways, take our, our shards of Adonalsium, and live over here. You're going to live over there. You're going to live over there. That is very quickly deconstructed. Very quickly. Got it. Yes. I actually have one one other quick question. Do we get to know how Adenalsium died or was blasted to smithereens? The the old, and this is every this is the whatever we know from every anybody in the fandom knows Hoyd was there and Hoyd initiated it and he did it on purpose. That is what, what? we know. What? Come again? We know that. <laughs> we know that. Why? Why? <laughs> Whoa. I, re- I regret asking. I really regret asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that one might take a little processing time. Okay. You didn't lead with that? No. I, <laughs> I avoid oh way gosh. down the list here. I was going to get there. Oh, but my gosh. I'm glad you're asking. Okay. All right, now we have shards, and I want to distinguish the difference between a vessel and a shard, okay? This is what, Elliot, you were referring to in the Skadrian system. There were a couple vessels that were being referenced, and I want to just distinguish the difference between a vessel and a shard. A vessel is any being. Like any person, any creature that is like sentient can claim anybody who was there can claim a shard. Okay. It is this like an embodiment? You th- that vessel becomes the embodiment of that shard. Yes, they they abandon their physical body 
and take the shard and live on the cognitive and spiritual realm from that point on. They have they've left their physical body and they have taken the shard and then live on the spiritual realm. So the shard is living in their body instead of them? Sure. No. No, no, no. The other way around. They are living in the shard. Their body is dead. Oh. Okay. Okay. What? Do, do we so, know a real-world example of this, or can we get a real-world example of this? Is this like the... So let me let me interrupt here, because this mm-hmm. is going to tie in. I have a question. Yes. So in this in this Scadrian system overview here, the the phrase is the vessels for these shards were human before their ascensions. Some alarm bells went off when I read that because we did not talk about this and it probably should have been on my list of questions. We've seen that fr- that term ascension before at the end of Oathbringer in relation to Dalinar. Okay. In the Odium Teravangian scene, Odium says to Teravangian, Dalinar was not supposed to ascend. Capital A. Capital A. Yes. Ascend. Are we, are we, t- I got about 16 questions right here. Uh-huh. Are we talking about the same thing? What the heck does it mean for Dalinar to ascend? Is Dalinar now a vessel for a shard? Is Dalinar no longer Dalinar? Is is Honor back? Like the questions are unending. Okay, I will answer a few, and hopefully that helps you. And you can ask more after that. The original vessel for Honor, about to name drop for you. His name was Tanavast. Oh. Okay. Do you remember that name? Yes. yes, it's one of our little questions that Elliot yes. said, right? The original vessel for honor was named Tanavast. Odium comes to the system, kills Tanavast, and shatters the shard of honor. Does not take honor for himself. He shatters honor's shard. Now, okay. if... Do you remember when Odium was saying, we killed you, this can't happen, we killed you? Yeah. Dalinar is more, this is up for interpretation, but Dalinar, capital A, ascending to Honor Shard. It doesn't exist anymore, though. Okay? So he's ascending to the shard, the, the splinter of Honor that the Stormfather has. Okay, so he has like, you know, 2% of it. But Comprendo? it's not the full process that you just described where he leaves his body dead and he goes and lives elsewhere? Correct, because the entire shard does not exist anymore. Okay. Okay. So had Honor still existed as a full shard, yes, Dalinar could have died right then and taken on and been the god and honor become the vessel of honor interesting okay odium 
the vessel holder for odium, his name is Ray's. Ah. ah! What? What? Hold on. We know that name. Yes. <laughs> Where do you know that name from? Ray's usually comes up in context with Hoyd as almost like a um like an anti-Hoyd. Is is kind of my thought. It, it's like he's a he's a counterpart to Hoyd. There's Hoyd on one side and there's Ray's on the other. And that's just from references in like some letters that Hoyd was sending to someone. Yes, and I'm going to read them. So does this mean that Hoyd is the host or whatever for Adenalsium? There we go. Oh, okay, maybe. I, I'm not going to answer that one. All right. Go okay. Do your little things. Vessel, shard, relationship, understand? Got it. Okay. Cultivation. The vessel for cultivation. Her name is Coravellium Avast. You've not heard this name before. Okay. Coravellium Avast was a dragon before she was cultivation. Okay. Oh boy. Yes, Paul? It's not that important of a question. I was just wondering, where the heck did we get a dragon from? Where, when did Great dragon, question. Is it like a Larkin? Like, could this be connected to a Larkin, maybe? But it's the only dragon-type thing I can think of. Well, I mean, it's got to be a crab dragon, right? No. Yeah. No? She's not, she's not from Roshar. Okay. Oh. Okay. So she's from Dragonland. So people have asked Brandon Sanderson multiple times. When are we going to see dragons in in the Cosmere? Come on, we we everybody loves dragons. When are we going to see dragons? And his answer was always, "You already have." And in Brandon Sanderson's canon, dragons are all shapeshifters, so dragons can take the form of whatever they would like. Okay. There are two known dragons in the Cosmere. Coravellium of Ast, or she used to be a dragon. She's no longer. She, she gave up her dragonness and became cultivation. And Frost. And I'll talk about Frost. You have not heard that name before. I'll talk about Frost here in a little bit. Any questions? Sleepless? question mark ah uh, yes okay yeah, continue great question okay you mentioned letters allow me to s read you a couple now these come from the epigraphs in the way of kings words of radiance and oathbringer they they're you get like maybe two sentences here two sentences here two sentences here i'm gonna read them the first letter the first letter this is straight from the Wikipedia. You guys are finally getting info. The first letter, written by Hoyd to Frost, argues the danger presented by Ray's the Vessel of Odium, hoping to draw Frost out of his oath of non-intervention. Okay. Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well. Though, 
as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you are probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. Much of your perpetual health, I have come to rely upon your dis dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. You do not agree with my quest, I understand that. So much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely. Might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. A.T. was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Ray's, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I have ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of the shards. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your in insistence on non-intervention holds firm. Because I assure you, Ray's will not be will not be similarly inhibited. One need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to Cell to see proof of what I say. In case you have turned a blind eye to that disaster, know that Aeona and Sky are both dead, and that which they held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge Ray's. There's a little bit more, but it's not relevant. Actually, I'll I'll keep reading. But go ahead. Um, you said the word safety. I wanted to ask if that was capitalized. No. Mm. Oh, it's not. Okay. Good question. He says like I predicted the safe protected the safety or whatever. <clears throat> okay. Elliot, you had an aha moment. Uh, so there were two names in there that were on my list of. Who the heck are these people? Aona yes. and Sky. But I think you just answered that. That the the context there seems to imply that those might be the vessels of the two shards that were on cell. Correct. Is that a correct? Aona yes, and okay. Sky are the vessels of devotion and dominion. Paul, you asked earlier what happened to them. Hoyd Hoyd said Odium killed them. Okay. So you guys came into this class thinking Odium's killed. Autonomy or autonomy, or no ambition. Sorry. Yeah. On, ambition and honor. On Threnody, he's actually killed three already. He's killed devotion wow. and dominion, and ambition. And okay. honor, right? And honor. Okay, four. Nice. Four. Let's go. Okay. Wow. A quarter of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have accused me of arrogance in my quest. You have accused me of perpetuating my grudge against Rays and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. Neither point makes the things I have written to you untrue. I am being chased. Your friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost, following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I, I doubt they will have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. If anything I have said makes a glimmer of sense to you, I trust that you'll call them off. Or maybe you could astound me and ask them to do something productive for once. For I have never been dedicated to a more important purpose, and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the results of our war here. I ask again, 
support me. Do not stand aside and let this disaster consume more lives. I, I've never begged you for something before, old friend. I do so now. Okay. Um, Go ahead. I'm I'm having kind of a big revelation. My my mind is definitely running. Okay. Uh -huh. It's it's running really fast, and it doesn't run fast often. So, I understand that with these books, they're they're excellent stories. The Stormlight Archive we've seen. I'm I'm two books into the first era of Mistborn and Fred Warbreaker, all these other things, and they're great stories on their own. And from what I understand, they connect. Maybe not in in a way that I'm sort of learning. We'll see. But is it? Are we seeing where like with everything going on that the real story is kind of hoid, jumping around and doing this thing kind of on like a greater, grander, multi-level pyramid scheme, multi-dimensional cosmic journey that's that we're kind of seeing and he's like the hero or villain or whatever catalyst it depends on what your definition of real story is right okay. i mean we just learned from the context now that we have the full context of that letter that hoid is on roshar to stop odium this is the fourth shard he's killed, Honor, and he is saying, he's he's writing other people saying he's not going to stop. Ray's is one of the worst people I've ever met. We need to stop him. Stop with your pact of not getting involved, basically. Okay. Okay. So... Sorry to interrupt, Paul. Did you have any more questions there before I go on to something else? So I'm fairly competent at math. But you said something that didn't quite add up there. <clears throat> you told us there are 16 shards. Yes. But then Horde makes a reference to the, the 17th, 17th shard? shard. Great question. Um, what is that? Okay. So the 17th shard is an organization think of them like the ghost bloods okay they are intercosmere organization it's not a shard they just call themselves the 17th shard as if they're you know moving behind the scenes trying to alter the course of the universe they okay. and from our context frost seems fairly involved with the the 17th shard the members of the 17th shard have a city in the cognitive realm. Okay. Which I'll get to the explanation of the cognitive realm here in a second called Silverlight. Mm. Okay. It is a full fledged city of humans and other sentient beings that physically live on the cognitive realm. And the 17th shard has a, a pact, a, a non, like an unofficial pact of we are going to observe and study and not interfere. Okay? Okay. So this is Hoyd writing Frost and saying, please come help. We need to stop Odium. 
Got it. Okay, I will come back to Frost's reply, which is in Words of Radiance. And I want to talk about Chris and Silverlight in the Cognitive Room real quick and expand upon that real quick. Okay. Uh, just to just to restate so I understand, are you saying that Hoyd and Frost and these people are from Silverlight or are Silverlight? They're from that no. place? Okay. That's fine. If this helps you at all as well, Frost was also present at the Shattering. Okay. I think I don't fully understand the Silverlight. Okay, we're getting there. Cool. Chris, our author of Arcanum Unbounded. She is a scholar that lives in Silverlight. She is from Taldane. And she, once she understands the gravity of everything that's happening in the Cosmere, she moves to Silverlight and help, helps found a bunch of universities. Science, history, whatever. She is, she's kind of our scholar to walk us through this. Is she part of the 17th Shard? Rafo. I don't think we know okay. that. Silverlight is a full-fledged city in the Cognitive Realm. And I want to talk about travel in the Cognitive Realm real quick. Okay? So you have Roshar, you've got all these solar systems all around. Okay? You've got Taldane over here, you've got Roshar, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know... However many light years between them, 10, 14, 100, whatever. So the cognitive realm exists one for one copy on Roshar because everybody thinks about the geography of Roshar. Okay. Okay. Sure. Understood. The distance between Roshar on the cognitive realm and Taldane on the cognitive realm is practically nothing compared to the physical realm because nobody thinks about the distance the space between them in the physical realm nobody active nobody thinks about the miles and has a personal connection with the miles in of in space okay so you can walk in the cognitive realm from realm from planet to planet do you remember her talking about Roshar and saying there's some gas giants in Roshar, but we can't study them because there's no imprint on the cognitive realm? Do you remember her saying that? I think so, yeah. She knows they're there, but nobody th sees them, nobody thinks about them, so they're not in the she can't get there in the cognitive realm. Are you tracking? And next, you're going to tell us about perpendicularities. Yes. Right? So the only way, the only reliable way to get from cognitive realm to the physical realm is through a perpendicularity of a shard. Okay? Most of them come from shards, which we'll talk about here in a second. There's some perpendicularities that exist, and nobody knows. Silverlight, I should say. Silverlight does not know why. But a shard has the power to pull people in and out of the cognitive realm into the physical realm. Okay. 
Any questions? I think not. So when it comes to interstellar travel, the the cognitive realm is the way you get around because that space you were telling us about, the, the physical space doesn't actually exist in the cognitive realm. It's all together. And perpendicularities are the the bus stops. Correct. How you, how you get from, well, how you swap from realm to realm. Correct. Got it. So my my only question is, oh, I, actually, I think I'm answering it myself, thinking about it. We saw at the end of Oathbringer, we couldn't get through the Oath Gate. It, Oath Gates are different. For, are Oath Gates different from perpendicularities? Yes. Okay, maybe never mind. But my thought was they couldn't get through this Oath Gate, or yeah, the spread of the Oath Gate wouldn't let them through. But that was honor specific, right? They were like, honor said we can't let people through, so right. we're not going to let you through. Honor. Okay. If you want to think about it this way, how they get through. Think of an Oath Gate as a perpendicularity on the physical realm only, and you can go from perpendicularity to perpendicularity on the physical realm. And Honor, before he died, said. No cognitive realm transfer. He wanted to keep everybody out of Roshar because Odium was there. Okay. 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 With that in mind, our second letter. Second letter is reply to the first, written by Frost to Hoyd. It's the letter Frost dismisses Hoyd's concerns, arguing that Raze has been trapped by honor in the Rosharan system. I'll address this letter to my old friend, as I have no idea what name you're using currently. Have you given up the, on the gemstone now that it is dead? And do you no longer hide behind the name of your old master? I am told that in your current incarnation, you've taken a name that references what you presume to be one of your virtues. This is, I suspect, a little like a skunk naming itself for its stench. Now, look what you've made me say. You've, all, you've always been able to bring out the most extreme in me, old friend, and I do still name you a friend, for all that you weary me. Yes, I'm disappointed. Perpetually, as you put it, is not the destruction we have wrought enough? The, word, the worlds you now tread bear the touch and design of Adonalsium. Our interference so far has brought nothing but pain. My path has been chosen very deliberately. Yes, I agree with everything you have said about Ray's including the severe danger he presents. However, it seems to me that all things have been set up for a purpose, and if we, as infants, stumble through the workshop, we risk exas exacerbating, not preventing, a problem. Rays is captive. He cannot leave the system he now inhabits. His destructive potential is, therefore, inhibited. Whether that was Tanavast's design or not, Millennia has, have passed without Ray's taking the life of another of the sixteen. While I mourn for the great suffering Ray's has caused, I do not believe we could hope for a better outcome than this. He bears the weight of God's own divine hatred, separated by the virtues that gave it context. He is what we made him to be, old friend, and that is what he, unfortunately, wished to become. I suspect that he is more a force than an individual now despite your insistence on to the contrary. The force is contained and an equilibrium reached. 
You, however, have never been a force for equilibrium. You tow chaos behind you like a corpse dragged by one leg through the snow. Please, hearken to my plea. Leave that place and join me in my oath of non-intervention. The Cosmere itself may depend on our restraint. So the potentially obvious question that lies before us that I'm trying to rack my brains to come up with a guess on is who is race and have we seen him before and where on Roshar is he? Didn't I tell you this race is the vessel for odium? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So is um, when we see odium, are we seeing race that it's that yes. simple? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I got to get my get my brain to connect that the two are interchangeable. More or less. Yes. Within the context got of it. the Stormlight Archive, yes. Now, what is Odium's uh goal? When he talks to Dalinar, what is he trying to accomplish? He wants specifically there doesn't he say he wants to kill cultivation or is it just like an in general he wants to kill every all the shards he says he says regrettably i will have to kill cultivation eventually probably but that's not his goal doesn't he say destroy roshar he wants to like remake everything doesn't he Mm, no okay Odium has been trapped by honor somehow. His goal is to challenge honor's champion and win and leave Roshar. That is his goal. The whole release me or you will release me thing. Do you speak for the world, Dalinar, Colin? That type of thing. Contest of champions, win it. You get to leave and go kill all of your, all the other shards. So, despite the apparent mobility of race odium, he still is then bound by whatever Tanavast was able to like contain him somehow. He's still bound by that, and that's what he's trying to escape from. Still, yes, even though Honor's dead. Yes, got it. Any other questions? So basically, so basically, to think about this, Odium is some sort of crazy destructive force that's been tearing around the universe, wrecking people's lives. He came to Roshar. Tanavas was able to like get the genie inside the lamp, and now the genie's trying to talk his way out of the lamp. Correct. And Hoyd is saying, hey, we need to help the people of Roshar. And Frost is saying, no, the Roshar is the lamp. Leave him in the lamp. Let, right. him, let him destroy Roshar. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. It makes a lot more sense. All right. We're not done. A few more name drops for you. Okay. Oh, boy. Roshar has three habitable planets. Remember that from reading the Arcanum excerpt? Yep. One of them is called Ashen, the Burning Planet. Otherwise known as... The Tranquiline Halls. Oh. Braze, cold and inhospitable, 
otherwise known as Damnation. That name jumped out at me because that one was was a, a name drop at the end of Oathbringer. And it was even dropped in such a way that made me already guess it was going to be a planet. It was like a reference of like, oh yeah, over on Braes. Okay. So that that puts a few pieces together. So it is... Uh, so we know damnation is a thing because our heralds have gone there. Yes. In my head, Tranquiline Halls could totally have just been what the people of Roshar say with their like religion right. system, that, right? That is what it is. It's, yes. Okay. So so it doesn't it's not like you die and you actually go there in this story or do we know or You do that... not. You okay, do not so it's just return a... to the Tranquiline Halls. Okay. It's just some little burning guy out huh. there that doesn't actually have However, uh okay. <laughs> Do you remember the big reveal at the end of Oathbringer of the humans are the Voidbringers, they destroyed their own world? That's what we're talking about here, the burning planet. So somebody accidentally, with surge binding, destroyed the planet, and they evacuated to Roshar. Um, Got it. A couple questions. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I'm going to try and keep them to the burning planet first. How did they evacuate to Roshar? It's, it's, I guess you could travel from here and there in the spiritual realm. I'm guessing you could the get... The cognitive realm. The, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, the cognitive realm. Yes. Uh, that, that makes sense, but uh, yeah, I don't... I guess that makes and sense. And assuming... Can, do you also get to damnation then through the cognitive realm? Yes. Assuming there was a perpendicularity to jump through, yes. Okay, I see. Um, do we know how this works with... So something that's been in the back of my head is how does jumping work with Scholars? Is it just a way to get into Roshar? Or, or sorry, Shadesmar? Or the Cognitive Realm? I will answer um, that shortly. Because I'm confused, cause I was like, could Yasna make it to these places? Or Short answer, yes. Okay. Interesting. So, but then, so how does the heralds, the whole death of the heralds thing work? Yeah, that, that's what I was confused about as well. So like, you die and you travel through the cognitive realm to here. So now we're going about to introduce another term, which is cognitive shadow. Okay. You've heard that a couple times referred to in the arcanum, a cognitive shadow. And that is when somebody dies, if they have enough investiture, they will, their, basically their soul will live on with the investiture that they have. The investiture itself will become, will, will like tie itself to the soul and you can live in the cognitive realm as a, as a cognitive shadow. Does that make sense? I think so. Your mic died, Paul. Oh, sorry, not oh. as a spren. No, they are not spren. Okay. They just kind of hang out there in the cognitive room. Is that the guy in the lighthouse? That was a spren, wasn't it? No, it was not a spren. And I'm not going to answer that, sorry. Okay. 
I had a lot of investiture whenever he mentioned it. So, so our heralds, alive. our heralds, when they die, lose their body and are banished back to Braze as a cognitive shadow. Why not just to the cognitive realm on Roshar? They are, but they have to go back to... Like, they, they walk to Braze from the cognitive realm on, on Roshar. Why? Great question. Not going to answer it. Actually, I don't know if we know uh, the answer. Okay. Because it's okay. like the... I guess that's where the Voidbringers are, right? Because yes. we're there with the Voidbringers, so... So the, the Fused, the souls that, in, that take Parshendi, they are also Cognitive Shadows, who have lived for however long years. They live on Braze. Um, Chris says the only thing that lives on Braze is a bunch of Spren and Cognitive Shadows. Because um, it's too in inhospitable for people. And... Would it make sense that our heralds they died and went to damnation to keep our voidbringers kind of at bay? Right. right? Defending a perpendicularity there, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, I was gonna say are they just keeping them busy so that they can't transfer to the physical realm? That make I mean that makes sense in my head. Uh, they like traveled there intentionally and endured that to to keep them. In my head, or, or even like, like they're transported there and trapped there, kind of thing. But it's if that's the case, and it's more like willfully um, staying there, I guess. Or and if the the two land the two planets like physically border each other in the cognitive realm, it could just be like defending the border. Right. It's like they're they're at the border of Roshar and Bray's, you know, defending the wall. Okay. Another one. Taln never broke. Okay. The um, the end of 4500 years. Taln is not the reason why the Oathbringers or the Oathbringers the the Everstorm came back and the the desolation happened again. And that's all okay. we know. Okay. So, when our heralds, quote, break, they're just coming back to the physical realm, right? They gave right. up. They're leaving Braze and coming back to Roshar. Yes. Okay, and so our other heralds have been hanging out here because they gave up. Yes. But Tom never gave up, so he was still hanging out either for the purposes of our thing, he was defending the oath or the perpendicularity or whatever. Sure. Some um, of this is theory and some at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. That doesn't shock me for some reason. I, I guess I, I've already got the feeling that something bigger is at work here. And so whatever the, the actual cause is could also be the cause of town returning and, Odium's back or whatever. So that does that one does not actually come as a shock. 
I could see this is kind of. Uh, I could see our like we don't know that much about stone wards, but I could see our like fifth ideal stone ward being like never giving up despite right. circumstances kind of thing. Like that's kind of the the arc that that from what I understand of stone wards they kind of embody. So. We have a, a couple more things to cover, but I do want to highlight a theory here because it ties into this. There's a big running theory in the fandom that because Talon didn't break, another Herald died accidentally on Roshar, was sent, and they broke. Okay? Specifically, Shalon's mother is the theory. So, do you guys remember Shalon starts surge binding. She gets a, like pattern and she has a shard blade and her mother is trying to kill her. Remember that? And Shalon kind yeah. of accidentally kills her mother. Yeah. I, if Shalon, this is specifically Chana Ranach, the 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 red-haired um okay. Um Harold Lady um, would be Shalon's mother. Shalon accidentally kills her, well, kind of purposely, self-defense, kills her mother and sends her to Braze and she breaks. And that's how it starts again. Because that was, you know, five years previous of, you know, the flashback, whatever. That's when she was eight or whatever. Um, That's a big running theory is that Shalon's mother was a Harold and she's the one that broke when Shalon sent her back. Is it when one of them breaks that is that triggered the beginning of the desolation? Yes. So okay. Traditionally, all ten of them go back, and then as soon as the first one breaks, they all return with the with the fused, and a desolation starts. But is it not? So the whole premise of the prelude is Talon's the only one who has never broken, so we're going to send him back alone because he's never broken, and um, he's going okay. to do it alone. Okay. Right. Yes, but isn't it like that we have Knight's Radiant powers because of the desolation going on? Or maybe that was just like a theory early in the book or, or like shown. No, that is a great question. Our current understanding. What comes first, the surge binding or the desolation, right? Like, Yeah. Because yeah, if Shalon was already ex exhibiting those powers, why would Gellinger stop it if it had started? Right. You know. And if, yeah, if the Herald sees somebody starting to surge bind, then they know, oh, wait, somebody's about to trigger a desolation. I'm going to kill her. So same reason why Nail might be hunting down surge binders to stop the desolation from happening. But our Heralds are crazy, so keep that in mind. That's true. Do we... I don't remember how much dialogue or anything do do we get any like from her, her mom in Lord? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe I think like that would be pretty evident pretty quick. Any questions? It's a lot to process. Yes, this yeah. is a lot to process. And I'm the, thinking, but... Yes, all good stuff. So, 
one of the final notes I will leave you guys with here is when a shard dies and is splintered, they kind of leave their investiture kind of just everywhere. In Honor's case, that's a high storm. And there's stormlight all over Roshar, and that's like when in when a when a shard dies, investiture quickly finds its way into like the common people's hands because it's just everywhere. So on Cell, we had the implication that two of them died even before the humans got there. And so the the world itself is kind of just investiture. Like it's just magic, a magic plant. It's the whole world's just a huge magic pile, basically. Yes? I have a question on this. So does that signify why we see powers from some in people and not powers in other? Like, we see honor. Is that why, you know, whatever, I'm assuming the magic system on Elantris is kind of maybe in part by, you know, the death of Dominion or whatever? Right. Um, when a shard is dead, is that... the investiture is way more evident. What... A way more evident. Maybe, maybe I'm missing this a little bit. But I was thinking about Warbreaker, because at least from what I know, that shard has not been killed. Correct. Endowment has but not been killed. It is like breaths are very pretty. pretty com like everyone has some form of breaths or lack of breaths or whatever. Right. Um. So is that different, or is that like maybe it's dead and we didn't know, or like? Honestly, I don't know the answer to your question. Okay, I don't know that why was... Warbreaker is the way it is. Okay, that would also, in my head, that makes sense of like why we don't. I can't point to anyone and really confidently say in our our stories we've read that like, oh, that person is embodying cultivation. Cultivation is still kind of ambiguous, you know. Right. Um, and also, Odium as well. We see a lot from Odium, but I, I would believe it if it was like there weren't that many people fully embodying odium you know so in my head that would make sense that we see a lot of honor stuff and not uh, the others okay so warbreaker is weirder than we thought ish maybe maybe or maybe i'm just speculating too much a couple uh couple little ones azure is indeed vavetta you guys, nice. you guys figured that one out. Zyle is indeed. What's his face? Basher. Yeah. Oh baby. <laughs> and I called that one a long time ago. I yes, want to say you did. You did. I had you some inklings really early, like a long time ago. That's that's impressive, Elliot. I'm, I'm impressed. That was. Yeah, you called that like a long time ago. I don't even remember when. That honestly, that all had to do with the way he talked. It, the, the, it was just, it felt like the same character. I didn't, I didn't need any other clues other than just like his style of speaking. There's another one you need to mention too, right, Trevor? Shalon is indeed <laughs> light song. <laughs> ah, Confirmed. I, I knew it. Uh, wow, uh, waited no. a long time for that come. 
confirmation. That's that's <laughs> that has yet to be confirmed by Brandon Sanderson. I'll just I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. You, when okay. you go to when you go to a convention, you can ask him that one. I will. I will, and he'll be like, "Read and find out." It'll be in Stormlight Five, and I'll be like, ah, "Okay." With that, or Warbreaker Two, whichever comes. Warbreaker Two first, yeah. <laughs> Another, actually, maybe my last one that I have to define for you guys is capital F fortune fortune has been re uh, referenced a few times maybe by odium maybe by honor maybe by hoid and we know very little of it in in the fandom we have just as many questions as you guys do but what we do know is it's a power tied directly to the spiritual realm it's kind of separate from investiture um, and it, a lot of people refer to it as luck, but that's not accurate. Hoyd has access to fortune and it allows him to know where he needs to be, but not why. And some of the shards have fortune. And that's pretty much all we know. You don't know any of the shards that have fortune. You just know some of the shards have fortune. Odium has fortune. Okay. Remember when he's talking to Teravangian and he's like, man, this diagram's super impressive. You did this without fortune or access to the spiritual realm. This is what I see, presumably, with those two. Okay. That's actually not what I was expecting it to be. I thought that was going to be another magic system, you know, another form of investiture, so like well. some some planet where, like, the magic system somehow has to do with, yeah luck or good fortune or, or something like that but completely different from investiture interesting and fortune is also a byproduct of the shattering it didn't exist before the shattering but it's not a shard it's not a you know whatever adenalsium dust mm -hmm. and one more thing i'll tell you about fortune Kaladin in the glowy orb thing in Shadesmar in the cognitive realm. The glowy orb thing is a fortune light, not a storm light. Hmm. So he re he receives vision from the future via fortune. Does that relate to him being storm blessed? Ah, great. Seems question. like a fortune re reference perhaps i know there's plenty of thoughts but any questions um on the topic of odium and teravangian actually just on the topic of teravangian is there any information we can have about like why he is the way he is like with his smart days dull days is just an ambiguous thing. I feel like we have a couple characters that don't fit in our magic systems. Teravangian is directly tied to the Night Watcher. Okay. Teravangian asked for the capacity to save the world. And he received it, but he also, his curse was, you're going to receive the capacity to save the world and the compassion for the world but never at the same time. 
So I'm completely throwing your wow. personality. Wow. Where do we find that out? You you've been told that. We we pieced, I think, some some of that together through a combination of interludes and Teravandian discussions. I I remember getting dropped that he was that he that he got that from the Night Watcher. I don't remember exactly where. Right. I don't okay. remember either. Okay. At least in my brain that can make sense. So wow. I didn't think that would work. I literally asked and I received. That's incredible. Never b- before seen on this podcast. How's how does that feel? Oh man. It only took what, ninety two weeks? Only took ninety two weeks. Get less than a hundred. What a bargain for me. What a bargain. <laughs> I've got another question for you, Trevor. Yep. In the the system intro for Gadriel, the Scadrian system, there's a reference to connections. And the, the phrase is specifically false connections that no shard designed or intended. It doesn't really explain more than that, and and I can I can kind of guess at perhaps what that's a reference to, but the context isn't super clear. I think of things like our 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 bonds that our radiants have with their spren, perhaps being like a connection. It am I am I guessing correctly, or is it something completely different? It it's related, but it's not. It, it's further detached from spren than that. It, it okay. has very little to do with Spren, capital C, connection. And I'm not going to explain more of that because we get... We literally get a PowerPoint presentation in, in, in writing of that later, of how connection works. So we'll, I'll save that for then. I, I, I'm willing to bet that Yasna might be the author of that PowerPoint uh, presentation. Perhaps. Seems Maybe like that's something she would do. Oh, that's true. Could be Renarin. I would believe that. Um, I have a random question for you, Trevor. Yes. Is is um our cultivation spren, Wendell? Is that in any form or capacity related to cultivation, like actual cultivation? Rafo. Okay. Hey, you got one. Got my Rafo card. Let's go. All right. I'm going to read our letter that we get in Oathbringer, and we can discuss that a little bit. That will be the end of the end of the lesson. Wow. I, I just want to say that this has been a treat. I've... I'm I'm very impressed and very excited. Uh specifically with our like dragons and hoid, like what the heck? Right, the heck, like <laughs> that's so much, and it's so dope. Wow these okay. these epigraphs are from Oathbringer Part Two. Okay. Three additional letters were written to Hoyd, two using one of the aliases Saphandrius, in response to messages similar to that presented in the first letter. The responses vary, though they are generally dismissive and apathetic toward towards Hoyd toward. Hoyd's plea. 
The first of these letters is written by endowment and offers a dismissal much like Frost. It notably expresses a disdain for multiple shards sharing a, sharing a planet, referring, an o referring to an oath that they made not to settle near one another. Dearest Sephandrius, I received your communication, of course. I noticed its arrival immediately, just as I noticed your many intrusions into my land. You think yourself so clever, but my eyes are not, the, are not those of some petty noble, to be clouded by a false nose and some dirt on the cheeks. You mustn't worry yourself about rays. It is a pity about Aeona and Skye, but they were foolish, violating our pact from the beginning. Your skills are admirable, but you are merely a man. You had your chance to be more, and refused it. No good can come of two shards settling in one location. It was agreed that we would not interfere with one another, and it, and it disappoints me that so few of the shards have kept this original agreement. As for Uli Da, it was obvious for the outset that she was going to be a problem. Good riddance. Regardless, this is not your concern. You turned your back on divinity. If race becomes an issue, he will be dealt with, and so will you. So were those all our epigraphs from part two, he said? That is one of three letters in Oathbringer, and I will read the other two. If, But if, if you have questions, go ahead. Um, well, um, hold on. It's just like the... <laughs> I am trying to put... I, my question was going to be, where, where, where are we getting this? Where are we pulling these letters from? But it's from the epigraphs of Oathbringer. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well done. Yeah, well we, done. We ben read them. We just yeah. didn't know anything about <laughs> you, what they meant. You've read very these. Very excellently done. Very... Hats off. Yes. Hats off, Mr. Brando Sando. To answer a question that neither of you are asking, Yuli Da was the vessel of ambition. Okay. Endowment saying... Didn't ask. I know. <laughs> Endowment saying, yeah, I don't care about Uli Da's dying good riddance. Dang. What was the name of that goddess that Light Song always talked with? The the female one? Who's she's trying to like, sleep with him? The whole yeah, book? taunting yeah. him? I don't remember. What is her name? She dies at the end of the book, doesn't she? I think she does at some point. Does she though? I don't remember. Like in front of Light Song, right? Like he's that's part of the twist is what's his face captures her in front and kills her in front of Light Song in the prison. I don't remember the being in front of Light Song. I don't know. It's when that book goes from like a hundred to zero. Yeah. From zero to a hundred, like all of a sudden, kind of, they come out of this passageway in the prison and she's there. She's like, what's happening here? And then they kill her. Yeah. I think you're, it's starting to ring a bell. I need to go back and read that book now because I was going to make a, a wild theory, but I think you just dashed it that that character was endowment. But if she's dead, hmm. Or like, Characters like that, Odium Endowment Honor, they're like not people, if I'm gonna understand right. It's like they're not just like a per Um, I guess Odium well, kind of. Is I, like a they were people back at the Shattering, 
or people okay. that they, they were creatures that had cognitive ability and and let me rephrase and i think that was the vessel trip, of endowment right okay okay and but... don't discount cognitive shadows getting shards just because somebody's dead on the physical realm if they have enough investiture doesn't mean they're gone right right okay Sorry, tangent. That just popped in my brain. That's okay. The second letter is written by Pachi, Autonomy, and mentions first of the sun. As things stand, Autonomy dismisses Hoyt's concern, relieving Ray's, believing Ray's to be captive, and even others some, adm and even offers some admiration for the trapped shard. The author refers to itself in a plural sense and suggests that Hoyd may have found more favor if he had been approached some other spoiler word. The letter is closed with a ch challenge by which Hoyd may even may earn the shards respect. Sephandrius. I think you skipped a word. I there. did. I did. <laughs> I skipped more than a couple words, actually. It, it's like it's like Evie's name for Dalinar. Trevor said it, but you and I couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Sephandrius, bearer of the first gem. You must know better than to approach us by re relying upon presumption of past relationship. You have spoken to one who cannot respond. We instead will take your communication to us, though we know not how you located us upon this world. We are indeed intrigued, for we thought it was well hidden, insignificant among our many realms. As the waves of sea must continue to surge, so must our will continue resolute. Alone. Did you expect anything else from us? We did not suffer the interference of another. Raze is contained, and we care not for his prison. Indeed, we admire his initiative. Perhaps if you had approached the correct one of us with your plea, it would have found favorable audience. But we stand in the sea, pleased with our domain. Leave us alone. We also instruct that you should not return to Abrodai. We have claimed that world, and a new blank of our being is beginning to manifest there. She is young yet, and as a precaution, she has been instilled with an intense and overpowering dislike of you. This is all we will say at this time. If you wish more, seek these waters in per person and overcome the tests we have created. Only in this will you earn our respect. I feel like even after everything you've told us over the last hour, that still went over my head. So, I kind of agree. Do you remember when autonomy was interfering? It says autonomy was interfering with other shards. I did notice that. That happens early, right after the shattering. Autonomy is kind of meddling in other people's in other shards. As soon as Odium kills Ambition, which is the first no. Uh, devotion and dominion the first two shards that odium kills uh autonomy pulls back to taldane and says no um no, no 
we're, we're not going to do anything and nobody can go in and out of Taldane. It's, it's its own thing. So when Taldane is being talked about, Chris is like, I used to, we used to be able to go back and forth, but now we can't do you remember saying that of a fact of which I'm all too aware is what she says. She can't return to Taldane because autonomy has completely shut the planet off. All right. The third one is written by somebody I'm not going to tell you who. Friend, your letter is most intriguing, even relevant, revelatory. I would have thought before attaining your current station that a deity could not be surprised. Obviously, that is not true. I can, I can be surprised. I can perhaps even be naive, I think. I am the least equipped of all to aid you in this endeavor. I am finding that the powers I hold are in such conflict with the most simple of actions can be difficult. I am also made uncertain by your subterfuge. Why have you not made yourself known to me before this? How is it that you can hide? How are you truly? Who are you truly? And how do you know so much about Adonalsium? If you would speak to me further, I request open honesty. Return to my lands, approach my servants, and I will see what I can do for your quest. So who said that? Haha. So <laughs> there's no relationship here, is what I'm trying to say. This person is very surprised to be receiving a letter from Hoyd. This person also doesn't kind of brush Hoyd off like the other entities, shards and this dragon thing. So whoever this is, is at least listening or willing to listen? But he's the least, this this individual is the least of them, or at least self-proclaimed. Um, right. Any questions? Oh, um, my only question is a very <laughs> overarching all all these are like very notable words. Uh like we have honor, cultivation, dominion. Uh, uh the other one that died endowment. today. Ambition. Yes, endowment, ambition. Like very prominent foundational words in general as we know in the english language right is there like a greater theme to ad nauseum that's like the essences of humanity i don't know like not humanity do you see what i mean a little bit like is there a theme to these words that's important or is this just a cool naming system that brandon sanderson had for these shards I would say great question and I have no idea. The Okay. The shard is going to embody the title. Odium is going to o Odium has the shard hatred. Yeah. Like odious. Right. Like Honor. Dreaded. Yeah. 
honor has the shard honor. You will be honorable to a fault. Mm-hmm. Cultivation says, I'm going to grow things, and that's what I do, you know. Okay. Which planet was it? Uh, I can't believe it. Ambition on. Ambition is on Therenodite, which we will be reading a short story of later. Okay. Cool. I told I you eight shards. Devotion, Dominion, Odium, Cultivation, Honor, Endowment, Autonomy, and Ambition. The fandom as a whole knows of six more. Nobody knows about two. Which is where my unity uh, unity theory came in. Remember that? Yes. Mm. I, I, I have a running theory that unity is one of these shards and not even Silverlight knows it exists. Does that make you, you like gold light? Sheer beyond silver light. No. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I feel like our, our eyes have been opened to the great scale of the Cosmere. Uh, only the question, Professor Trevor. Yes. How was I supposed to figure this out on my own? <laughs> Great question. So that is... I don't know how I feel about that, but if you care that much about it, you're supposed to Google it. Yeah. And all all of this information, it comes from live streams and Q&As. So he'll have a book signing and you're allowed to ask him one question while he's signing your book or you'll go to the convention, the Dragonsteel minicon, which actually, fun fact, Dragonsteel, the name was his first book. Dragonsteel, the name is the book, the unpublished book of Hoyd's backstory. It is written. He's not proud of it yet, so he hasn't published it, but the the bare bones, you know, 1999 version of Dragonsteel does exist. Is that the one that there's like one copy and it like existed in the library when he went to college or something like that? Yes, that's also called Dragonsteel, but that's just his senior, senior thesis. That's oh, okay, that, okay. that in no way is canon. Okay. I think it's really frustrating that the one book that we hear of and he's like, oh, like... I don't think this book was very good. It didn't get released. And it's Hoyd's backstory. Right. Hoyd's backstory. Like, okay. I I think I like this approach to creating a fantasy realm because it kind of, it kind of makes a pick your, pick your difficulty level. You can, if you want to just read Warbreaker and not go any further than that. You can, you can read one, you can read Mistborn and, and not worry too much about it. Or if you want, you can read some more and you can try and connect the dots and you can try and dig a little deeper. Or if you don't have a life like all of us, you can spend (laughs) your time watching YouTube videos and going to conventions and asking Brandon Sanderson himself, what does this mean? Like it's, you can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want to 
And if you don't want to, that's fine. You can enjoy a, a story for for what it is. That the fact that he's made the stories at least have enough legs to stand on their own, I think allows him to get away with this. And I think it's I think I like this. This is pretty cool. And I mean he's been on record multiple times that that's hundred percent intentional. That yes, there's ties between Warbreaker and Stormlight, but you can enjoy Warbreaker on its own. You can enjoy Stormlight on its own without have any without having any knowledge of the other one, and it's still a completely fine standalone story. I would like to the, go back and change my rating of Brandon Sanderson's world building <laughs> <laughs> because, like, honestly, like this is this is remarkable, and I one hundred percent agree with Elliot. This is super cool because you can enjoy the story of Mistborn. You can enjoy the story of the Stormlight Archive. I'm sure Lantris is great. Even just the stories of Ars Arcanum, right? And if you want to, you can figure out kind of how it all connects. Like, you could you could read one of those. You could read all of them and just leave them as good stories of their own. Or you can... Try and do whatever the heck we're doing, which I honestly <laughs> don't know how to describe what we're doing right now. But it's pretty big. It's big. Or, you know. Yeah. I, go. I gotta say, I'm only just now starting to appreciate the amount of effort this, mm-hmm. this must take him. The, the amount of mental gymnastics that he has to be able to do in order to create a world like this that is consistent with itself that is connected but also individual and unique like the amount of planning and thought and intentionality that has to go into that is incredible you remember at the end of rhythm of, or the way of kings when we learned about Ketix? Ketics, right? The poems. And I thought that was, yes, the poems that are like palindromes. They're the exact same backwards as forwards. I thought that was super cool because I was like, wow. He put a lot of thought into not only thinking of a really difficult thing to write, something that when read backwards is the same as reading forwards, but something that's on theme. It wasn't just coming up with a Ketic. It was like... very consistent with our storyline, like relevant, things like that. And I was like, that's impressive. That's, that's not easy to do. And man, that was like baby's first intro to writing letters, like <laughs> compared to like, just the, just the planning that you have to go th- like think through while writing all these different stories. Well, by the way, like, well, very well developed individual stories and, connecting this like overarching story of I'm just going to say Hoyd's story right to kind of encompass it so I'm very very much impressed the thing that boggles my mind is the I mean the year gaps between Elantris and now is crazy and he had you know a decent amount of this outlined out all the way back then and he's writing stormlight five this year like he he had the at least the foundation of stormlight five however long ago and he has 
all of these clues in all of these books from however long ago, and he's deliberately put them in there. It's not like he gets an idea for a sequel and then writes the sequel. No, he already has the plan for the sequel when he's writing the first book, and he writes the first book with the concept of book five in mind. Like, that's just crazy to me. And then on top of all that in his head, he can write at such a pace that he can actually deliver it to us. And at a quality. Like, like, right. Like no, no other author would even be able to like, you know, dabble within the surface of this crazy world in their head. And, and Brandon can, you know, spit out hundreds of thousands of words per year in, in the novels that he writes crazy he worked a grave a graveyard shift at a hotel when he was in college and he outlined pretty much this whole thing he said he had four hundred thousand words of outline of the cosmere before he started writing 400 that's the way of kings that's the final way of kings in outline form of the cosmere Mind-blowing. Brandon Sanderson knows the last two shorts, right? Sorry, that's kind of off-topic, but... I imagine he has that in his outline, but I'm wondering, like, was that back then? Has he been holding on to the secret for 25-plus years? Or Yes. Man. That and a whole lot more secrets, it sounds like. Maybe one. Maybe one other secret, yeah. Any closing thoughts on this very unique episode of Following Note On? Would you like to see the notes I took? This is correspondent to what my brain was thinking about as we went through I mean, various squiggly lines. Fun, fun fact, that's what a lethe formal script looks like because every letter is mm-hmm. up, every letter you can fold in half, whatever that's called. Oh, yes. Um, Symmetrical. Symmetrical. So it just yeah. looks like a bunch of like radio waves is well that's the formal script. Hmm. Perfect. Alright. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. We will be doing the first half of The Emperor's Soul next week, followed by the second half of the week after that. And I hope you enjoy this short deviation uh, from Stormlight before we head back into Dawnshard in probably a month. Thanks for joining me. Alrighty. I'm gonna go think about my life. Good night. <laughs>